0: She Came Back, Deb Dana, the polyvagal wonder woman, returns to the podcast to talk about how her new book will fill the gaps between therapy sessions and a lot more. My name is Justin Sinceri. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and your fellow Trauma Nerd, helping you understand and apply the science of connection to daily life. Welcome to episode 54 of the Polyvagal podcast. Super happy to talk to you, and I'm glad that you accepted the invite to come back.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a interesting time to be thinking about the nervous system.
0: It's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um what's it like? I I don't have I have nothing planned out. I really wanted to kinda of be in the moment with you and, and chat. And there's a couple points that we're probably gonna touch upon.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um Sure. I'm wondering like everyone seems to just love you. Oh. <laughs> everyone that I that everyone that listens to you, they say, Oh, she's the best. I went to her training, she's the best and they love being around you. What's it like to just be admired? throughout the world it seems
1: <laughs> yeah uh, you know it's I, I don't I kind of don't take that in I, you know what I do is I
0: figured I, you wouldn't
1: I absolutely love getting emails from people who tell me their experience using it's usually around using the map and they'll tell me and I love to email them back and say thanks for letting me know because you don't hear those things yeah it's fun to see how your work is is being used out in the world but other than that you know people will say things and I say you know it's it's um, it's ventral. This is ventral vagal energy that that is the medium by which I'm connecting with you, and so everybody can do this. You know, I mean, I get that I'm I'm a good therapist yeah. and I do some therapist things really well, but it's ventral vagal energy that that is really the the active ingredient here.
0: I like that you said that you're a good therapist. I don't think a lot of us say that.
1: No, you don't own that you're good at that.
0: Oh, I think I'm a good therapist. Good. Yeah. I- I'm okay with that, but I I don't know if it's if that's if that's in our field if that's okay to say yeah. hey I'm good at this I know. you know but yeah, and I'm I'm very confident what I do
1: so interesting because if I go to a therapist I want to go to a therapist who says yes I'm good at this and I know how to help you with this I don't want to go to somebody who says oh <laughs> yeah, no tell me you're good please because then I might trust you right
0: I like that yeah I'm, I'm the same way I would I, I prefer someone who is. Uh, confident in what they do and we are providing a service so yeah. why, why can't we take a little confidence in that
1: you know the interesting there was a study that said that that warmth is the first um, quality that clients look for but confidence is the next you know it's like you know not arrogance but confidence. because i'm going to yeah. lead your journey to a place that you have not wanted to go and don't know how to go safely so i better be a really good guide who you can trust
0: outstanding yeah. But if you hear my kids in the background, that's them uh, probably fighting over cereal. <laughs>
1: well, if you have to go referee the cereal, that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to
0: trust that my ten year old can can uh, handle the situation with her little brother. She and just got up, so right off the bat, there.
1: Handle the They're work.
0: fighting over cereal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have you have a second book. About to come out, I want to say April 21st, is that right?
1: Yeah, it's supposed to come out the 21st, which is kind of exciting. And and it's a, um an interesting time for it to come out because it is um, right. exercises for people to do between sessions. And so it's kind of the perfect timing because what everybody's looking for now is what do I do to feel some management over my life, right? And so if yeah. as a therapist I can say, Let's do this, and then you go do this for the next week before we come back again. It gives you a way to feel like you're doing something, you're you're shaping something, you're actively controlling something. It's really uh, even more helpful now than it was when I wrote the thing. So, yeah.
0: How is this different than, um, well, the first one, I guess, was for therapists and was directly in the session. This is between session now. Yeah. You're covering all your bases. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I found that you can't, you really can't reshape a nervous system um, efficiently one hour a week, right? Mm. You need to give clients homework. And then people were asking me for the homework I was giving. And I thought, wow, I have, I have a whole series of things that I do, I should put them in some sort of format that makes sense to people Name oh. this, this, um, I like acronyms, you know, like many people in our field. So it's basic be friend, attend, shape, integrate, connect. So it's those categories that you move through.
0: Friend, attend,
1: be, be Say again. be, be friend, friend, attend, attend, shape, integrate, connect.
0: Okay. So, so these are ways to to kind of boost that between sessions, then.
1: Yep, yep.
0: When you, so you give homework to clients, of course. Is that you, you have a set sort of thing, or you just is it per client? Let's um, what well, works for you per client, or what works for each client?
1: Really written so that you would go through it in order because the exercises build on each other.
0: Oh, But I've also
1: found that. You know, I have a client who's in a certain place in their recovery, you know, shaping process, and oh, that exercise would work great. So you can take them out of order when when the client presents with oh, this would be perfect for that client. And then the the is that as you go through all of the exercises, that clients will um, pick the ones that that really resonate for them, and begin to create a um, a, a a set of practices that they then return to over and over and over because they're not one and done kind of kind of things
0: so not just the one hour therapy session right how how much do you think cause i know people are going to wonder like well how, well how much how much is homework how much do I most, am i supposed to do this every day so is is there um thoughts there on like how much
1: yeah, it's a great question because it's it's the perfect polyvagal question, right? Because, you know, you and I are going to practice this little thing in session. And then I'm going to say, so if you were going to use this between now and the time you come back, how would we like to do this? How often? You know, what time of day? What do you think? And, and you know, being the really the compliant client who wants to get it right, you're going to say, I'm going to do it every yeah. twice a day. And I'm going to say, oh, OK, so your brain just answered that question. And now let's ask your nervous system. So I'm going to say to you, I'm going to do it every day, twice a day. And how does your nervous system respond to that statement? And your nervous system is going to go, no, (laughs) right? Probably. And so we're going to have a conversation with the nervous system instead of the brain saying, so what feels like it would be reasonable and doable for your nervous system? And some, you know, clients often start at every day and they end up with twice a week great, perfect, because the goal of this is to have the nervous system buy in and say, this is what I can do, perfect, perfect. So it's it's about having some success, right?
0: Absolutely, so I, I wanna, I'm gonna go check with my kids real quick, but I want, what I wanna know is that, what's the line between let's have success, but also let's challenge ourselves and maybe take it a step further than okay. might be super comfortable. Do you mind if I come back real quick?
1: I, I will hold that thought.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Hey, you guys, I love you tremendously. Please keep it down. Thank you. Love you. Bye-bye. Love you. Love you too. Bye. All right. <laughs> I'm <sighs> <sighs> sorry.
1: No, no problem. I love it. You, my, I have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, um, uh, two granddaughters who live... Oh. Uh, in Chicagoland and um, they will FaceTime me many times a day uh, um, when they need somebody besides their mom or dad to, to talk. It's so sweet. Just so sweet. So I absolutely get the going off to referee breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, now
0: it's refereeing uh TV, but I think they're, I think they're square. They pretty much do a good job with like picking something they can watch together.
1: Um, so they, they do
0: a pretty well, good job with that.
1: I love it. That's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. We got that down, I think. Yeah. So, so to, go, so to go All back right.
1: to that question, which is the perfect yeah. question, because in I have this this line I use that we want to stretch the nervous system and then savor what we've stretched, so that it becomes more patterned, and then as soon as you cross midline, you're going to go to stress and survive. So we have to stay on the left-hand side of that line into the stretch and savor and not challenge the nervous system so much that it goes into a stress response and a survival response. Because once you go to survival, to sympathetic or dorsal, any possibility of change shuts down.
0: All right, so I'm gonna come at this from a listener and I'm gonna come at this from someone who's gonna say, well, how do I do that and what's too much? And all those evaluative, yeah. probably more sympathetic questions. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is giving away too much from the book, but do you mind going into that? Well, what, what is too much? How would someone know if they're doing too much?
1: Right. So, are these
0: even safe to do outside of therapy? All, all these questions. I'm sure people are like, "Whoa, you know.
1: So, so, and again, the, all of these exercises or anything we're doing when it comes to the nervous system nowadays is based on the premise that that um, you and I or my client and I have mapped their nervous system so that my Client has an idea of how their three states work and can understand. Oh, I'm really anchored in ventral right now, or I'm losing my anchor and I'm falling into sympathetic or dorsal. So you really can't do any of these things safely or efficiently, effectively until we start from that place of, So how is your nervous system wired and how do we track where you are and and what's happening? So that's kind of the, the foundational. Peace.
0: There has to be some level of like understanding,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
0: uh, just the, the map, just sort of what that looks like and what that feels like uh, before launching into it.
1: For me, I I always do that first personal profile map. That's that's from the first book with every client, and I've been you know doing that with many many people um, recently in this time we're in because if you don't. Oh, your nervous system in in a basic way, you're you're going to feel lost. You're you're not going to understand why you're one minute, you know, thinking I have to get out of here and I can't if I have to teach math one more time to my kids, I'm going to, you know, strangle myself or, you know, you go to the bedroom and and just stay under the covers and don't get out of your pajamas for four days, you know, and you aren't going to understand that in any way except some story that your brain is going to give you. Um, So if we can have a basic understanding of the nervous system, then we don't just get that brain cognitive narrative. We get the the biology of what's going on. And then we can do something to shift our biology rather than getting stuck in the story.
0: Like we won't just focus on the actual thoughts or the stories, Mm -hmm. but we can focus on
1: Mm -hmm.
0: more of the whole experience of what we're going through.
1: Right, right. And then once we know if I'm in sympathetic and I'm flooded with that mobilizing fight flight energy, then you know there there's a general pattern to follow to do something with that. You do some kind of organized movement. Organized being the key word there, not just movement, because fight flight's gonna do yeah. the chaotic, you know, movement. An organized movement, go for a walk, dance sing out loud something right and again yeah. what i'm asking people to do nowadays and it you know is interesting to to think about anytime but especially now because we're getting all of these suggestions in our inbox and through social media about how to survive what to do right, right. and, and right. some of right. them work for me and some of them absolutely don't work for me. and so my my job nowadays is to discern out of all of these suggestions, which are the ones that my nervous system either says yes to, or maybe. And so the three categories are yes, no, maybe. And if I look at this, say it's a breathing experience, because there have been a lot of those coming into my inbox recently. And if I look at that, and I and I think about it, I think about doing it, my nervous system goes no. It does not go on my menu. If my nervous system says yes, Absolutely, it's on the menu. If it says maybe, it goes in another part of the menu where I might try it out. Right. And I really am encouraging people to create an actual menu. This is my menu of mm. you know, pathways to regulation. And I'm putting everything on it from these amazing suggestions that my nervous system says yes or maybe to, not that the person who's sending me it said, because as soon as we take somebody else's suggestion and make it a protocol for ourselves, we're no longer listening to our nervous system.
0: People well, people ask, like, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know you. So I don't know. I, I, don't, I feel like it's irresponsible to say, oh, yeah, just do this sort of breathing right. or take a cold shower right. or go for a run. Like, I, I have no idea what responds to you. And that's been coming up a lot, yeah. and especially in the interviews that I'm doing with others, is the importance of the present moment and mindfully doing these things. Mm-hmm. Do you agree that and it sounds like you're kind of saying that, that it's not just movement, mm-hmm. but it's in the present moment movement. Is that accurate to say for you as well?
1: Yes, and the question would be in this moment, in this place, where I'm, what I'm feeling right now. What will help me move towards ventral, or what would help me really stay in ventral? And again, you're you're asking your own nervous system. And for some days, for me, um, I might want to um, go stand on my deck and look out into the backyard. And other days, that has no appeal to my nervous system at all. Right. So it's, it's, it's an ongoing conversation with my nervous system. And, and when we're working with clients or other people in our, in our lives, it's an ongoing conversation with another nervous system. It's not a, a set. Here's what you do. It's a, well, let's, let's think. You know, if somebody asks you the question, what do I do? You say, well, let me give you a few choices and see how your nervous system responds because that'll give us a clue.
0: All that requires that you're in the present moment, though, doesn't it? To sort of look inward and to notice, and I guess having the map and having some level of education, but also practice with this. But you have to kind of look inward and say that what does feel right in this moment, like what does feel like my system wants to do or not do?
1: Yeah, and and the in the moment's tough because as soon as we get right. into sympathetic or dorsal, we're no longer in the moment. We're 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 in a we're in a fear and anxiety, or we're in a disappearing. So. Again, what we need to do is to be, to pre plan for this, to be proactive. So when you are feeling a bit, oh, I think I'm okay, you know, for the next 10 minutes, that's the time to begin to make your menu because then it's done and you put it somewhere where you know where it is so that when you feel your system beginning to take you away from that, you just have to go look at this piece of paper that you've already created your menu. When you dysregulate, your prefrontal cortex does not go along for the ride with you, right? So you need to have this already done so that, oh, I can read. I can look at that. But I can't come up with solutions when I'm there. Yeah.
0: I love that you went there because um, people wait for the crisis to do these grounding skills. But I'm like, no, these are just, we're practicing being in the present moment. Do this before the crisis. Right. When there's not, you know, mm-hmm. when it's not, quote unquote, too late. I don't think it, I don't know if it's too late, but it's you know, it's a lot less difficult. That's when we should be practicing these things so that when the crisis does hit, Mm -hmm. we have some practice, we have some experience, we know what to do, we can go to the list or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but people wait till the the crisis, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, nowadays, I think people are just trying to make it through moment to moment, day to day. And um, it's harder the longer this goes on. And what's happening is is the unpredictability is really difficult. The feeling of unendingness is difficult. Um, yeah So, and, and the you know for the nervous system, we probably talked about this before, but there are these three elements the nervous system really looks for to to safely navigate the world. context, choice, and connection. And if you think about those, each of those are being terribly challenged right now, right context we, we don't have enough context because nobody understands this virus, nobody understands what's happening we don't have a lot of choice. Our choice is really restricted about what we can do and who we can see and how we can do it. Uh, even if you think about choice, if even if you go to the grocery store, there's a lot less choice about what you can get there even. So choice in all sorts of ways is restricted. And then connection. We are trying so hard to find ways to connect nervous system to nervous system, which is a, an essential biological need for we humans without actually being, for many people, without being in space with somebody you know or you know for many people they're in a space with people they can, now can't get away from so connection is challenged in that way too when when i when i can't cuz connection is about connection to myself right and to others and to nature and to spirit and so mm. you know those context choice and connection is just being really challenged right now and as that's we find it hard to find an anchor in ventral
0: so what are you left with if you don't have choice? If you don't have connection, if you don't have uh, context, what what are you left with?
1: Yeah, well, then we have to get creative about um, you know looking at choice, right? Say I don't have the choice I had four weeks ago. Are there ways that I can have choice now? Which is again comes back to when the recommendations come into your inbox, you don't have to take them, right? You have choice about what you use and what you don't use. You have choice about how you want today to um, find some ventral moments, right? Connection. We are getting creative with connection, right? This, this, you know, face-to-face, even though we're not together. Of course, you and I have actually never never met. We've only met this way. So right. us, this is like I feel there with you, you know, and I loved it when you had to go and, and rescue your kids from the serial war or whatever. It was like this is human, right? We're 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 here together. It's, it's lovely finding ways to do this, you know, and you look at the ways people are being creative about standing outside on their balconies and, you know, talking across the street or we are creative human beings. Find a way.
0: Well, I'm, I'm assuming people who go to the gym daily, they, they probably have to get pretty darn creative about how they, you know, get connected with others, but also how they physically move around. Yes. Um, I, I would, I would assume, yeah, and this just, the digital medium has become, I think, a lot more important.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And probably feeds into that creativity.
1: And it's, and it's interesting because I've always thought that, that um, remote connection, digital connection um, has its place, right? I've always thought that for some of us, this is a much safer way of connecting than being you know, in a room together face to face. You know, for some clients, this is an easier way to go deeper, because it, it feels a little bit safer. So, you know, we're going to get creative about how we use this. And I think some of this may stay with us when we even come back to be able to.
0: I wonder, I really wonder if there will be, and this is a global thing. So there's an opportunity for an entire generation. I know. Collectively to come out of this and I don't know, have some different viewpoints or understandings or how maybe even reconnect with each other in a much deeper way or more safe way more appreciative way i don't know there's really like an opportunity here amongst all the chaos
1: i I agree i think there's a huge opportunity right now and i i loved what you just said in in a more you know appreciative way i I think you know as things are so restricted we do become more appreciating of um certain small things and certain ways of being together that we you know aren't feeling now and hopefully we'll go back to doing them and in i know Yeah. Deeper ways. Yeah.
0: I, I so miss being with my coworkers, but not Mm -hmm. before when I was at work, I would go to great lengths to avoid them because I (laughs) I do that very well. I would not, I would bring my own lunch with ice packs in it. So I didn't have to go to the refrigerator to interact with people. Ah. But now I'm like, Oh, I wish I had the opportunity to avoid people at work all over again because (laughs) I'm just stuck at home. You know, I I really, those interactions I appreciate so much more now.
1: And you're getting to know your, um, what I call social engagement scale. That some of us are very much in the I need need to be with people all the time and others of us are more in the I like a lot of solitude and I also need to be with people. And we all are on that continuum somewhere. And for people for whom, you know, maybe like you and and like me, solitude is is more nourishing and so I don't need to be around people so much. (laughs) This is an easier time for me. For people whose system, social engagement system, really needs lots of connection with people, this is a much more difficult time. So, again, we're seeing the nervous system in its different ways of still being in social engagement, but in different ways.
0: Yeah, I feel like I've um, I've had my alone time. I'm good now. I'm ready to go socialize, and I got <laughs> the same three people day in day out, who I love to death. But, but you know, the importance of friendship and being with people is yeah, it's yeah. definitely. I I know for me, I appreciate it a lot more.
1: So you'll take that back with you when we all head out oh, yeah. back to the world again, yeah?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll ask you a question. This is. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say before we move on, I was. It's interesting yeah. to think how might we hang on to this, right? Because you said yes, I'm definitely taking this with me, and then the invitation is to figure out how are you going to remember this a year from now, right? Because we humans just kind of go back to whatever. So it would be interesting to think about a way to to really you know, mark what the, what the new knowings are for each of us and take, have a record of those to take with
0: us. I know for me, like right now I'm talking to another adult. This is the best thing for me right now. Um, when I go to the store, those brief moments where I'm going to go in and grab whatever we need, I'm highly aware that I'm able to smile at people and receive their eye contact and just those simple little moments. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's balanced out by the fact that we're all keeping our distance and, right. you know, you, you, there's a, you can see this concentrated effort to stay away from people
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: where before we didn't, we all invaded each other's space and which was annoying. But now there's this, there's this feeling, this danger cue of like, Oh, back off, back off. And everyone's covering their face. And so there's all that, but I can see people's eyes. I can see them squint, I can hear yes. their voice. Yeah. And I know when I go out, I soak that in like a sponge.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how people can be both a cue of danger and a, and a, um, mm. a longing for connection at the same time. Right. Yeah, definitely. Cue of dangerous, you know, don't come too close. Don't breathe on me. Don't, you know, that there's this, you know, sort of unspoken unseen thing that's, that's going around. And, oh, by the way, I love looking at your eyes and hearing your voice because that makes me feel connected.
0: I want to take a hard right turn here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a topic that came up on my podcast that was fun, but controversial. Mm. And it's the idea of introversion and extroversion mm. or amberversion, which is the mix, I guess. <laughs> and how that might relate to the polyvagal theory. This really stimulated people's thoughts. And they, a lot of people reached out to me nice. about, because uh, I, I was making, I was wondering, I wasn't making a firm argument, but I was wondering with introverts, could there possibly be a, a little bit of shutdown or a little bit of dorsal activity there? Not a full-on dissociative shutdown, but could that be underlying introversion? And then same thing with uh, people who are more extroverts. Could there be some sympathetic but also ventral activity there that's driving them? So I'm wondering, like, yeah. could that stuff be underneath these other labels that we use? Yeah, you know,
1: yeah, it's such fun to think about, isn't it? I think the- that's oh, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah, through the biology of the nervous system, right. So- I have a couple thoughts and one really is around that social engagement scale that we just just talked about, which is actually a, an exercise in the new book, because um, when many for many clients, when they are in a group of people and aren't actively engaging with that group in the beginning, they think, oh, I must be dorsal because I'm not connecting. Right. So the social engagement scale is, was built as a way for people to really get a sense of where am I? Am I just enjoying? So it's a scale that you name your two ends. So
0: is that in, that's in book two, the social engagement scale? scale? Mm. Okay.
1: So on one end, you would name what, you know, you're highly social. So for me, I, I might say actively engaged in communicating. And then the other end of my social engagement scale is I'm quietly reflecting. It's all within my ventral vagal safe social engagement, but they're very. It's a continuum, and then I mark the points between. So actively engaging, communicating, and then I go. At some point, I go to enjoying observing. I go to you know active listening. I go to quiet reflecting. But it's all I'm present fully, and and there. So that's the first piece is to really understand your own um, system and how you move. Along that, all the time. So, and then within that, I think some people, as we said, are more um, shaped to be more on the social, active, engaging, communicating end, and other people on the more solitude, reflecting, quiet. Right. right. You could then, you know, um, extrovert, introvert, you can use any labels you want there. Right. Um, I just, I really think it's, and if, again, if we think about the vagal break, that I think we talked about before. As the vagal break releases a bit, I have more sympathetic energy in system so I'm more this, which again, could be named extrovert. As my vagal break reengages and I'm more calm, could be more extrovert. It's just interesting to think of the labels that people could put on, and why I created this engagement scale was because I wanted people to understand that there are many flavors of being in social engagement.
0: There's these categories that people latch onto as if it defines them, like oh, I am that introvert. Period. Mm-hmm. But um, but polyvagal theory is well, what's what's underneath that? And I've been spending the past handful of weeks on my podcast looking at DSM criteria for a number of diagnoses and oh. and <laughs> wondering about what uh, polyvagal implications there are to borderline personality disorder and ADHD. And I've hit a whole bunch of them. Sure. Yeah. But it's not just the name. It's not just the behavior of the category. But there's Autonomic stuff happening underneath all that.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you think about the DSM for a moment, if you look at the DSM through the lens of the nervous lens of the nervous system, every um, diagnosis pretty much is us an outcome of a dysregulated nervous system. It's just right. regulated in a in a certain way. Right. So, you know, I would, you know, I'd be in favor of let's let's not use DSM diagnosis. Right. Let's just look at in what particular ways is your nervous system dysregulating and when does it dysregulate in these ways? Cause that's really what, what I want to know. A, a DSM label does not help me work with your nervous system. Right. So, you know, that's where, yeah. that's where I go with that. And then, you know, extrovert, introvert is, is a, is a binary thing and, or whatever that in between was, I don't know.
0: <laughs> ambivert. That's, okay. I think it's more newer, but yep. yeah. Ambivert.
1: I, what I think the nervous system shows us and, and from a polyvagal lens is everything is on a continuum, everything, you know, so I, I'm, I'm not an introvert or an extrovert. I, I have, you know, these moments when my nervous system is really nourished by um, solitude or by being with one other person in quiet and other times when it's nourished by being, you know, with a big group of people laughing and dancing. And all of those are, are me and I move along that continuum all the time. So for me, it's more helpful to think of continuum than it is to think of category.
0: Absolutely, what I've noticed with the DSM categories just breaking them down is that it could, what's underneath those categories, what's underneath those symptoms, because it's really a behavioral thing in the DSM, what's underneath those, there could be different paths. That could be a freeze thing, it could be a shutdown thing, it could be a sympathetic thing and, and just look Absolutely. however it looks on the outside but internally that person we don't know so the, the dsm doesn't only go so far obviously
1: right no the dsm doesn't look at doesn't look at that and you know for, through a polyvagal lens um when i'm getting to know a, a, a client getting to know their nervous system you know part of it is what happened to you but the more important part is how did your nervous system respond to what happened to you so and and you know the DSM is giving you some outcomes of response to events but it's not asking the important questions about so how is that shaped inside and and yeah
0: i think dr porter actually he said that about the aces um questionnaire also is that it's based on events right right and not on yeah. responses and
1: aces is a, is a wonderful brilliant um yeah. survey and we have great data from it and need a part 2 the part 2 needs to ask that question Because I could have one ACE and have a very compromised, dysregulated nervous system, or you could have three and have a regulated nervous system. So the the number of ACEs and what they were doesn't give us that next step. It's a beginning. We just need a part two. Yeah.
0: What I like about polyvagal theory and what it naturally leads us to is that we naturally look inward Mm -hmm. and rather than these criteria or numbers or evaluations we can even you've used the word continuum numerous times numerous times that we can feel this within ourselves and it gives us a lot of introspection i don't want to say mastery because we're, i don't think we're all quite there yet but it gives us the ability to say hey i can figure this out i can look inward mm-hmm. versus relying on an expert to tell me how i am who i am
1: right
0: and how i will be in the future
1: Right, and that's that's really my you know the line I use with clients that I use in my teaching now. The the reason to bring a polyvagal informed approach to your work is that you want to help your clients become active operators of their own nervous systems. That's our job is them understand and have some ability to to navigate their states um, with some sense of ease and, and grace because. When a client comes to you, they bring a presenting problem, right? Um, but that presenting problem is really not what I want to work with. I want to work with the nervous system. And then once we get some regulation, we can look at that presenting problem, and it's going to look different, feel different. The client's going to have a lot more you know, thoughts about what they want to do with it. It's going to have changed because the nervous system um, is supporting um, a different way of moving through the world.
0: I have nothing to add to that, but <laughs> pretty much wraps it up, right? That, that, that thought, what are you hoping that people get um, from book two?
1: Um, I'm hoping that it will become more of a, um, or it yeah, polyvagal theory or this way of being connected to the nervous system will become more of a, a everyday experience rather than a thing you do for an hour in therapy. you know, that really, that would, Make me smile to think of people around the world who are finding their own polyvagal informed practices to help them navigate the day, right?
0: Seems like you're very invested in, in people um, learning about themselves and not relying on, and of course, therapy has its place, but it seems like you know, not it, relying on it the expert or, or another. It
1: has its place. And what I really want is my clients to be able to understand the nervous system and have skills to come back from sympathetic or dorsal dysregulation come back, what I call home to ventral, because we all leave our home and ventral many times a day. I want people to have the skills to come back and then also to know when an experience is so intense or so extreme that they want to go to a therapist to have some help with that, because therapy really is an important um, addition to the ability to navigate my nervous system and operate my nervous system. There are some things that I, I need your expert um, help with that I can't do on my own, that I really need to come to you for your um, support when I'm doing it. And the, the ability to do that is important to know that I need that and to come get that and not to do that with all the other things that are happening in my life.
0: That sounds that sounds like such a healthy way to view therapy as a service as an addition to the work I'm doing and not the only source or being dependent on the therapist. Right. And it sounds like a more, would that be a more accurate reflection of co-regulation versus dependence? Like, I, I guess I worry about people um, becoming dependent on therapy or, or on the idea of co-regulation. Like I need another person to do this for me versus along with me or a service that I'm hiring to do along with me. To support me.
1: Yeah, it's a nice way to put it. And, you know, Steve talked about co regulation that when we have enough co regulation, it builds the platform for us to be able to use self regulation when co regulation isn't available or we're just choosing to self regulate. And I think we're really bumping into that right now in this current place that, that um, you know, people are being asked to self regulate more than um, in the past. And um, it gets old after a while. You know, I don't know how many weeks we're in now, but, you know, we... I know, I've lost...
0: Yeah, the time is just gone.
1: We need co-regulation as well. So, you know, to come back to therapy, yes, I want my clients to um, co-regulate with me and have enough experiences of that so that they can then take that learning outside and and self-regulate and come back when they need... Um, they need a either a, a tune up. Clients will come back for a tune up, right, which is great. Or they come back because there's some crisis in their life and they they need some support with that.
0: So it's more like doses of a co-regulator to well to for me to build my own self-regulation, right? Or uh, for a tune up toward that toward that end.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we need enough experiences of safe co-regulation first. And for right. many clients, they've missed that. People have been dangerous and the therapist is taking on that role of being the first safe co-regulator in their life. It's going to take right. to to get enough for the nervous system to have enough of that predictable co-regulating experience to them be able to say, oh, now I can learn to self-regulate in a way that's that's nourishing. that's not survival because they had to self-regulate out of survival, now I can learn to self-regulate as, as a choice and as a nourishing experience. So for some people, the co-regulating experiences are going to have to be um, more numerous, more often, it's gonna take longer. And then for other people, you know, a, you know, a nice shot of co-regulation is gonna bring it alive and off they go. So again, it's, it's a conversation with the nervous system.
0: When will you be on Instagram and Twitter and all the social media? When you don't have accounts, I, do you?
1: I do not. I do not. You I, don't, I, right? Yeah.
0: What? Totally
1: not on social media. I'm actually. I'm doing. What's going a, on? Uh, you know, I I <sighs> have decided to. Oh, I don't know what I've decided. In the past, I decided to not complicate my life because it feels like a lot of, a lot of energy going into that, and it now, is. It now is. my next step is into doing some online offerings because I want to keep sharing my passion with the world and you can't do it in person now and so that feels like the next step for me to create some good online um, programs for people so I think social media is still going to stay behind there somewhere it's just not happening (laughs) it's kind
0: of draining it it can be draining
1: I think it is right people will say did you see this thing on Facebook I said nope (laughs) did not (laughs) nope (laughs)
0: You're not missing out on a whole lot. Oh, good. <laughs> when I use it, I, I'm basically creating, and I'll put stuff out there. But I haven't created something for Instagram, and it's been a couple of weeks, and I just don't feel the energy to do so. And it's it's a lot different, and I just I don't know. I feel a little bit tapped out recently, so I'm still doing the podcast, and that's where my energy is going, and I'm loving that. It just feels right.
1: Yeah. So you you get some you get that reciprocity in a podcast. You get our nervous systems are having fun together right now. You can feel some of that, which pulls yeah. you a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the way that you have worked anyway. I mean, you're a podcaster, so it's not, it's not a replacement for it. It's something you have been doing, which is, which is helpful.
0: Yeah. This is where my, it just feels right. So I put my energy into this and usually I do a solo thing and every now and then rarely I'll have somebody come on that I, that I just sort of intrigues me and yeah. that I want to learn more from. Yeah. And, um, So it's a way to to do that, but it's it just feels right using my voice and going in depth into ideas versus posting a picture. It just feels like a good avenue. I'll my blog and but then I have my social media. It's not using as much as I used to. It's I don't know. It's been a shift there recently.
1: You know, and again, you're you're listening to your nervous system. Yeah. Which is going to tell you, oh, draining or filling. Right? That's kind of what we do. It's either a drainer or a filler. You know, it's either gonna you know nourish me or it's not going to nourish me and then the question is so okay what's going to nourish me today or in this moment hmm.
0: yeah so for you uh creating programs sounds like it's your next step what what could you do that's different or new or, or in addition to what you're already doing
1: well i i've or
0: are we keeping that close to the chest for now
1: yeah i've um no no i put out on my on my website i'm gonna do a book study group for the first book um chapter by chapter. It's it's a, you know, 90 minute each week for 15 weeks. And I'm going to present the concepts for an hour. And then I'm going to do 30 minutes of um, question and answer, because I think people really can have fun with a book that way, do the exercises, do the maps and feels like something that's that's um, accessible, not only to therapists, but to curious human beings or, you know, anybody who wants to do that. So I'm I'm doing that and then I'm trying I'm going to attempt my um, um, part of my long-term training it's called foundations one Um, part one is going to be a five-day online one day a month for five months because boy you can't sit in front of a computer and take stuff in so one day a month with consultation between and small groups and all that sort of stuff that you can brilliantly do on the internet nowadays so we're going to test it out and see because for me th- this is nourishing teaching inviting others to this polyvagal family and uh, i can't do this for nine months or whatever it's going to be i need to do this and people people are, are asking so we're going to see what what happens i may be asking you for some good ideas
0: <laughs> oh I'm, I'm happy to help out any way i can that sounds like a lot of really interesting stuff you're about to do all right, any final thoughts um that you want to share? any hopes, dreams, wishes, concerns? You
1: no, know, um I, and I know this sounds like an odd time to talk about um, the experience of awe, but it is what I have been talking to people about because awe is um, a solitary experience which sort of fits our need right now. It's something that happens when to ourselves, by ourselves, it then often. Um, invites us to want to share that with somebody else, but in its first form, it's an individual experience. And moments of awe are all around us. Um, nature, art, and music are predictably activating of these moments of awe. And so what I've been talking to people about is is creating um, awe moments. So go and look out your window, or if you don't have nature out your window, you can find it online. Art online, music, Find that piece of music that moves your system into a of awe. And awe is the sense of being small, but connected to something much larger. And we need that in our worlds right now. We all feel like we're this one little silo. We need to remember we are connected as a human race, and we are connected to something much bigger. So I'm going to leave that as, as my ending to really experience all. That's
0: perfect. Mm -hmm. no we all have nature we can all step outside and look at the sky Mm -hmm. and i I, for me i've noticed my appreciation for looking upward and just looking and appreciating i love looking at clouds um and i feel that moment of or that that awe and i feel so small yeah and um that's an easy way people can do that they can look up you know or look down at dirt you know exactly Um, down
1: at the ground up
0: being the moment yeah yeah
1: beautiful yeah so that's that's my invitation for everybody to find a a moment of awe Mm.
0: Alrighty. Um, okay. Well, thank you for coming back again. You're always welcome. Uh, hopefully we'll have, I'm sure there'll be a third book at some point and yeah. have you come back on, but you're always welcome to come back. All right.
1: Lovely. It's been a fun time this morning. Thanks for connecting. Cause it's really felt like a, a nice break from all of the solitude that we were having. Yes.
0: You said it. <laughs> yes. You said it. Take care. All right. Dad, bye.
1: <laughs> bye. Bye.
0: I'll tell you dear listener. What I liked uh, the most in a second, but I really, really want you to find Deb Dana on debdana.lcsw.com. Easy to remember, but I also have a link in the description. And I really, really want you to reach out to her and let her know how much you appreciate her coming back on the Polyvagal Podcast. Her second book is going to be amazing. Everyone loves the first one, therapists and non-therapists. I haven't heard a single bad thing about it, so I know book two is going to be fantastic. There's a link down below in the description to pre-order it before it releases on April 21st or to buy it after then. What I liked the most out of this is, I don't know, I liked it all. She does such a great job of explaining the practical applications of the polyvagal theory. I'm like a, I know, a total fanboy, I know. And I know I'm not alone in that. It's nice to hear someone else talking about the importance of being in the present moment and being curious about yourself. As I continue to learn and apply these things, the present moment keeps popping up as central to getting unstuck. And what brings you to the present moment might not be what brings me to the present moment. And I think that's wonderful and beautiful and the essence of what makes each of us so unique. Your nervous system is pulled towards something, and so is mine, and we can both create something incredible. And we'll meet in the present moment as we do our incredible somethings. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to pick up Ted Bader's book, but I also hope you've learned some new ways to connect with others or even with yourself.